This week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Head on over to patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast and subscribe today. Fans, founders, and insiders like you help us keep the Run, Eat, Drink podcast going. And we thank you for your support. Hello, this is Ambie Burfoot, and you're listening to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, welcome to episode... 208 of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. I'm very excited about this episode and the fact that it's coming out early this week. And of course, you must know why, Dana. Well, it is a special week in running. Yes. One of the most storied, most anticipated, most trained for, sought after. Sought after indeed. Bucket list races for many runners is happening, I believe, today as this episode drops. As this episode is published, it's Marathon Monday. It's Patriots Day. It's the running, the 126th running of the Boston Marathon, I believe. It's kind of a big deal. Huge. Huge. It's also a big anniversary of the Boston Marathon in that it is the 50th anniversary, if I'm doing the math right, the 50th anniversary of the running of the Boston Marathon in which women were allowed to register and be a part of it and have official race numbers for the very first time. That's amazing. 1972 is that right i believe you are correct yeah so you i mean that that seems like a loss that's that had to have been so long ago but it really wasn't that long ago 50 years it just seems like something that would be relegated to history books but it's not well it is in history books but i mean it's not just in history books i mean this is this is within recent memory of many runners out there still and we've had a women's running icon on our show right at this time, just about this time last year, Catherine Switzer. Yeah. It was a fantastic interview, a fantastic conversation she gave us all about the year she ran unofficially. Yeah, let's call it that, unofficially. And, and then- Officially. Yes. She talked, well, she talked about a lot of things, but it was great to have her on the show and hear about it firsthand. It's not relegated to history books. We have running icons among us who will talk about that. That's not the only thing that is connected to the history of the the Boston Marathon. No, I mean, there's, there's so much history. And when you when you think about races that mold the sport, mm. 
and people who've molded the sport. I think that those are two sets that invariably intersect. And that point of intersection, almost 100% happens in Boston. You think about people like Catherine Switzer. You think about her predecessor, Bobby Gibb. You think about Nina Cusick. You know, I, I, it, uh, Joan Benoit Samuelson. You think about our, our, our coach and America's coach, Jeff Galloway, and him returning to Boston after the, the year after the Boston Marathon bombings. You think about the Boston documentary. From 2017. We think about Meb running it the year after the bombing. Oh, so many historic, inspirational, emotional moments for our country. And this year is probably going to be a historic year for the Boston as well. It's the 50th anniversary of women in this race. It has so much meaning and so many of them are there to share their stories. There's somebody that we happened to talk to a few weeks ago that knows a lot about that, that wrote a book about that, that came of age in the running world just as all of that was happening. Yeah. And his name is Ambi Burfoot. You may have noticed that we had a new intro to the show when the show opened. And that's because somebody new introducing our show. Ambi gave us a little bit of his time and was <sighs> was so gracious and just just wonderful to talk to and get his historical perspective on Boston. And on a lot of other things, we had we had a very long conversation with him, and I'm I'm so excited that we're going to be sharing a portion of that today on this episode. And this is a very Boston focused portion of our conversation. There, there's a theme developing here, folks. If you haven't yes. picked up on it, yes. So typically, we will talk about running, eating, and drinking. This is all about. Boston, Boston, and more Boston. And more Boston. And more Boston. Yes. So we're kicking off the show with some shout outs. We'll get into the interview with Ambie, which will be the show this week. Absolutely. But, mm. you know, when I was saying that this year was going to have some additional history oh, yeah? at the Boston, I mean, yeah, okay. It's a great and storied race. Yeah, fine. You know, it's a bucket list race for people. Okay, whatever. Some of the greatest runners on the planet have run it. But you know what? Historically speaking, this is probably the first year we've had this many members of the Runcation Nation at Boston. That is true. So let's get to the shout outs and shout them out. That is a great idea. This week, we are doing a special round of shout outs. There may be many of you running different races this weekend or that you have completed over this last weekend prior to Marathon Monday, Patriots Day. These are all Boston-themed shout-outs. And they're very special, very near and dear to our hearts. They go to Meg, Main Street Miles Meg, Amanda Napolitano, Dr. Andy Sharp, and Babs of 
Bab019 on Instagram. She is a part of the Donna Marathon Weekend, very instrumental there, as is Amanda, as is Andy. All of them are important members of the Runcation Nation. And they'll all be in Boston. They will. On Monday. Yeah. Um, Amanda and Andy are running it. Yes. Babs is volunteering at the finish line and giving out medals. Which I, I mean, volunteering at the finish line. And I mean, what an amazing way to be a part of the Boston Marathon. It's kind of like having seats at the at the one yard line at a at a football game at, at the Super at a, Bowl at, at your favorite teams, and your favorite team is playing. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. Yes, it, it's so wonderful that that will happen. That Amanda and Andy will be running. That but wait, Meg. I was going to say there's, there's more. more. That Meg and her mother will be at mile 15 of the Boston Marathon. They'll be on the right, and they will have, they will, of course, be cheering on runners. Yes, as one does. They will be having little kits of fuel, hydration, and other items to help runners keep going as they pass over that halfway mark and get into the 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 last half of their Boston experience and start that ascent and climb heartbreak Hill into, well, as they head toward heartbreak Hill. Yes. Yeah. And as they start to head toward that famous last turn, that one mile to go sign that amazing back half of the course at Boston. So, Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Meg and, and and Meg's mom, for being our cheer squad. I hope you get to see Andy. I hope you get to see Amanda. Have a blast as a cheer squad on Marathon Monday. Amanda, Andy, we love you. Have a great race. It's an unbelievable experience and we're so, so happy that you are there and you get to be a part of it. Absolutely. I am. I'm jealous. I'm having some FOMO. And Babs. Oh, my gosh. The, I, I know. She's got like, like you said, she's got the best seat ever, except for she's going to be on her feet for quite a while. This is but true. You know what I mean? <laughs> we also want to shout out our friend of the show, yes! Marco Chisetto, who will be running the Boston Marathon on Monday as well. Uh, and I believe I caught a little bit of his presser that he did. I just caught a picture. I wasn't able to watch it yet. And, uh, you know, it's just, he, again, his energy and his enthusiasm, I think, always comes through in an interview. And he talks about, uh, you know, how many total miles it takes in training to get ready to run those 26. And it's it's a lot of miles. It's when nobody is looking, it's setting the alarm, it's getting up early, it's putting in those miles in the dark or late at night or midday as you train for whatever conditions you may encounter. It is 
fueling yourself and and eating right and hydrating and doing all of those things and having such discipline to get to that start line healthy and in that mindset that Marco always talked about on on our show when he talked about it uh, when he was first on our show and then also when we had him back at the Anchorage Run Fest talking about that this past August just talking about his mindset, his positivity, his dedication to doing what it need what he needs to do to get to that start line and execute. And we can't wait to see that on Monday. Absolutely. So listen, if you or anyone you know needs a shout out on the show, don't forget to send them to us. We do our best to collect shout outs throughout the week. Send them our way. Send them to info at runeatdrink.net. That's email at info at runeatdrink.net. Or call and leave a message at 941-677-2733. That's 941-677-2733. Yeah, now you can leave that voicemail like that. If you email us, you can email us text and we can read it. Even better though, we would love it if you would just record a little audio file and send it to us. You can do that right on your phone, you know, make it really easy. But if you just want to go old school, call 941-677-2733. So we have a main event to get to here. Let's do it. We have been eagerly awaiting this. This one's been in the can for a while. So excited. We've, we've, we've had to contain ourselves, not wanting to give it away because we've had this recorded for a while. We've talked in lives. We've alluded to it, but we haven't given it up. Today's the day. Ambie Burfoot. 1968 Boston Marathon champion. He's kind of a big deal. He sat down to talk with us on this episode about his win at Boston, the role of women in running Boston, combating weather conditions at Boston, being a part of the Boston documentary, returning to Boston the year after the bombing, the the year that Meb won. He has such inspiration, such words of wisdom. He is a scholar of the sport. Continues to be so to this day. And we are just so happy to bring to you now our conversation with 1968 Boston Marathon champion, Ambie Burfoot. On this episode, we are honored to welcome Ambie Burfoot to the show. He's the winner of the 1968 Boston Marathon. Ambie is also an icon in the running world, Dana, because of his many years as executive editor of Runner's World since 1985. And he's also appeared in a documentary that I have watched repeatedly and may know by heart. Maybe. Which is Boston from 2017. (laughs) (laughs) I've also seen it once or twice. And you're also going to find Ambie sharing research and inspirational stories nowadays in Runner's World on Podium Runner and the Washington Post and books like The Runner's Guide to the Meaning of Life, Runspirations, and First Ladies of Running, 22 inspiring profiles of the rebels, rule breakers, and visionaries who changed the sport forever. Amy, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. It's a great delight. And the very first thing I want to say about the First Ladies, the revolutionaries and visionaries, 
at this this year at the Boston Marathon, which is just a month away, will be the 50th anniversary of the first year that women were officially recognized at Boston. Of course, they were out there running before that, but the BAA didn't have the good sense to recognize them in the earlier years. This is the 50th anniversary this year, 1972 to 2022. And I believe the BAA Boston Marathon is going to do it upright. That's fantastic to hear. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be running. I'm going to be attending every single seminar or talk or appearance by the First Ladies and the 1972 Boston Runners because they're friends and contemporaries of mine. I had the great good fortune to grow up in this sport at the same time as they were making their mark uh, felt. I'm going to move the clock to 1967 for a second. That's the year that Catherine Switzer entered as KB Switzer. Can you tell us what you remember about that? Yeah, almost nothing. 1967. Really? Yeah, 1967. You know, it's a bigger event now than it was then, I think, except for the photo. The photo was was very, very impactful, of course. But 1967, I have to think now. 1967 was the year that I had to make two pit stops in the middle of the Boston Marathon because of some extremely strange things that I ate the night before. I had runners in the race the last 10 miles that I passed twice. They kept on saying to me, what's your problem? Where are you coming from? Why do you keep passing us? Because I went off the course, used restrooms at gas stations and came back on the course. So I had a good day and I finished 17th and I would have been much closer to the front if I hadn't lost five minutes in gas stations. But you have to remember, Catherine and the women were several hours behind us guys who were running two and a half hours. So we didn't see them. We didn't know they were in the race. They weren't a big deal in in Hopkinton because they were mostly hiding under their sweatshirts and things like that. So they wouldn't attract notoriety. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we all knew that a Bobby Gibb or a Catherine Switzer was running the race. We were all running our own races, as people Mm -hmm. do now. And, And the top guys were several hours in front of the top women, as I said. Mm. Uh, so we found out about Catherine's encounter with Jock Semple in the same way as everyone else, the same way as she did mm. with those incredible newspaper photos the next day. Mm. And then I, I, I do want to go so far as to say that all of the runners back in those days, all of the male runners, whether they were Elites top notch or in the middle of the pack. We, we were all looking for women to run the race. We had nothing against them. They didn't get in our way. They added to the environment and the wholesomeness and, and the, 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 the fullness of the marathon. Of course, there should be women running. So we were all completely supportive. It was just the old AAU officials and the even older rules of the AAU and Silly organizations like that that got in the way of women competing. Even Jock Semple, he wasn't trying to beat the crap out of Catherine Switzer. He just wanted to grab the number off of her sweatshirt so that it wouldn't look like he was organizing a race with illegal runners in it because women were illegal then. So there was no antipathy towards women. 
we all wanted to have more ladies join us. As I always say, I was a skinny, nerdy kid who couldn't get a date to save my life. So you bet I wanted women in the race. <laughs> Maybe that would increase my chances. So we were always supportive and the women do acknowledge. That. I just want to follow up on that for just a second. You made mention of you all found out about it the same way as everybody else did, which was in the newspapers the mm -hmm. next day. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we forget the context of how information traveled, even yeah. you know, it was completely different 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. We're now talking yeah. 1967. At that time, did you have any idea or any inkling that that moment might be something as big as it turned out to be? No. And I say that in all honesty. And the reason is that we simply could not imagine that there was more than one Bobby Gibb and one Catherine Switzer and one Nina Kusick and one yeah. Sarah Berman in the entire universe. And by the time you added all of them together, you got to the grand total of seven or nine or however many women showed up at the starting line in, in 1972. So while we were, we were completely and wholly supportive of women, there was not a soul, not them either who could possibly have imagined where women's running was going to go. Mm. Let's see, what was it? It was at least 20 years later, if not 25 or 30 years later. And now we've come to 2022 and essentially the sport is half women, however yeah. you want to slice it. And absolutely uh, a big and important part of the story and absolutely essential to running's health and its future to have women who, for better or worse, are at the center of the American family and have to bear so much in, in family life, to have them encouraged and participating and for the most part recognized is a huge, huge advance. And running led the way. We got there. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty all the time, certainly not when Catherine Switzer was being harassed on the course. Mm. But we did get there ahead of just about all other sports. And I believe for the most part that we have a very proud history in running. I think that experience and her subsequent experiences led her to become a journalist. And then you went on the next year to to win at Boston and, and then become a journalist. Winning Boston was an impossible dream. And yet it was something I was completely focused on as a New Englander and as a disciple of John J. Kelly, who had also run Boston, won Boston. In fact, from 1957 when he won until 68 when I won, Every other race was won by a foreigner at Boston. So you had 11 years and we were the only two Americans during that period. Mm. It was just what I wanted more than anything else in the world. 1968 was an Olympic year. Of yeah. course, I hope to go to the Olympics in Mexico City. Many of the top Americans actually skipped Boston that spring so that they could prepare fully for the Olympic trials mm. later in the summer. But as I said, I'm a New Englander. I'm a Kelly disciple. Boston's in my backyard. I'm not going to skip anything. I'm going to go to the Boston Marathon and give it my all. And if I have mm -hmm. a great day, good. 
if I don't have a great day, I pick up the pieces and see what's next. And I was very, very lucky. You you talk about that that day feeling effortless, and it, it it's when I watch the Boston documentary and I watch the the part the part that you're in that talks about your victory. It's it's. It's so it's so great to hear from all of you your different specific experiences and how you were feeling and how you were training and what that moment of victory was like. How, how did you get involved in that Boston documentary? Oh, that was easy. I had met the director producer John Dunham in some of yeah. his earlier work at Chicago Marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a well-known Boston Marathon runner and (laughs) by this time an older one who could reflect on some of the history of the race which he was looking for and the Kellys and the DeMars and things like that also connected with Bill Rogers etc so that all came about quite naturally What, what I'd like to say about the Boston winners in that film that wonderful film that just absolutely incredible film because it captured 2013 and 2014 the most crazy horrible and wonderful years boston or any marathon will ever have speaking about the winners we're we're all individuals and we're all different and our lives of course have taken us in different directions but we all feel very connected from by our passion for marathoning, our belief that the Boston Marathon is the historic traditional race and the one that has to be run, even though there are many, many great important marathons around the globe now. And the fact that we all recognize that whatever it takes to get across that Boston Boston finish line first, is a supreme effort and it's not a one-day effort it's the it takes the effort of months and years and training hard consistently for a long long time and so we all support the endurance ethic which is it's not a one-day affair it's a long time affair and yeah on April 15th or 17th or 19th or whatever day is the Boston Marathon. There's a little bit of limelight on us, which is nice. But guess what? There are 364 other days of the year when no one's paying a damn bit of attention to us. And we're still out there doing what you have to do if you want to have a big day at the Boston Marathon. And so we're, Mm. we're united by that consistent purpose and drive to excellence. Yeah, and I, as a history nerd, that hearing you and everyone in that documentary talk about that really brings it to life and gives the context and and makes it something that's not just old stories in a in a history book or a, a running book talking about the history of running. It's actually mm-hmm. a lived experience and something that you've had to or had an opportunity to share. And I just I love that you were willing to participate in that. I'm I'm going back to Boston. But I'm going back to 2013 and you being stopped a, a mile before the finish. That and then turning around the next year in 2014 and, and running for the Martin Richard Foundation. That Those two must have been very emotional 
racism must have run the gamut for you? I think gamut is, is is the right word. And again, there's so much in those two races. 2013 was 45 years after the year I won. I was running every five years at that point. Mm. So I'm the oldest uh, returning winner in the field. And I'm sort of puffed up with myself. And I'm thinking oh, I'm pretty cool. Nobody else is doing what I'm doing. And I'm running the Boston Marathon. I'm having a good time. I'm with a couple of friends who are pacing me, as it were. And suddenly the race just stops in front of me. I've never seen this. I've run a million road races and there's never been a road race that just stopped in front of me. And none of us had any idea what was going on. We were a mile from the finish, but there were plenty of buildings to block any sounds or anything else. We didn't have any clue what was going on. Of course, when you're a mile from the finish, you're finally like, hey, I'm going to make it. I can do this. And so when they stop you, you're not a happy camper. No. We were, there were 5,000 of us and we were not happy, but they, at least about me, because I thought I was going to be the star finishing for the 45th year after my win. Yeah. And, but they stopped us and they dispersed us and told us to get back however we could. And yeah. I walked back to my hotel with a couple of friends. And as we did, we saw ambulances and police cars and endless stream of loud sirens and vehicles headed towards the finish. And not until I got to my hotel and saw it on TV that I really realized what had happened. And of course, when you do realize it, it just completely kicks you in the gut. One moment you're thinking about yourself, how can they steal the Boston Marathon finish away from me? The next moment you realize what happened to so many people at the, at the finish line. And my sister was among them. She was a Crossed the street from the bombs and was not hurt, but she was in the stands waiting to to see me finish. And my family was in a car following me along along the course. So then we're we're just decimated, and it's just the most horrible thing that has ever happened in running. And for a day or two, we all think, "Oh my God, this could literally be the death of running because who will ever run a marathon again?" Knowing that. You're on public streets and there's yeah. really no way for security pr to protect you. And yeah. crazy people and terrorists and others can do real harm to you. And that went on for, I think, about 24 or 36 hours. And then all of us, I don't know how we had this instantaneous total mind meld where ev everyone simply decided, wait, no, that's not the way it's going to be. We're going to go back to Boston in 2014 and reclaim those streets and reclaim the history of the Boston Marathon and prove that this can be a celebratory race for thousands of people for 40,000 or 50,000, which is how many wanted to run in 2014. And of course, the BAA couldn't let them all in. But we had about 36,000, which was about the same as the 100th in 1996. And it was the most bright, sunny day you could possibly imagine. And I could run for a million years and never run a race that was as positive and emotional as that mm. one on both sides of the road. The runners were all there. We were all saying to every spectator, thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the Boston Marathon. Thank you for believing that we can continue to hold a fantastic race like this 
and the spectators were saying to us, thank you for coming back to Boston. Thank you for maintaining the tradition of the Boston Marathon. Thank you for showing that you're not afraid and we're not afraid and we're gonna reclaim this great tradition and, and the public spaces of downtown Boston for runners and spectators like. And I always said that the 100th Boston Marathon would be forever the greatest event in running history, but the 2014 Boston exceeded it by light years because of the tragedy of the year before and the celebration of let's get back and reclaim this thing, which was universal for everybody. And it was just exhilarating to run that day. We were so, those of us who ran the 2014 Boston Marathon uh, we'll count ourselves lucky for the rest of our lives that we were able to participate on that day. I loved how you said, I don't think that I'm going to run across that finish line. I think I'm going to walk across that finish line because it's about the experience. And that was so amazing to see that and hear that in that documentary. That was something I've done in my Boston since 20, starting in 2014 is to just stop with a hundred yards or so to go, I guess, at the site of the uh, the first bomb and just mm -hmm. look upward. And, and I'm not a religious person, but nonetheless, there are forces in life that none of us understand. So look up and yeah. say thank you, to look to the crowd and say thank you, to turn around and applaud the runners who are coming mm -hmm. towards me in the finish line to say Way to go, everyone. You've really, you really deserve this. And then just to walk across the, the finish line because a couple of seconds is not what it's about at this point in my life, no. but realizing how lucky I am to be out there still and still able to do these things. Now, I, I, you're a man who's run all over the world and I know we we are talking so much about Boston. I have one final Boston question. It's just an iconic race. It's a bucket list race and yeah. and and you're you're just so tied to it. Your return in 2018 for the anniversary of your victory. You and everybody at that race had challenges that day. The weather was awful and we've had some experience in bad weather but oh, nothing yes. like that. No. Um can no. you Talk a little bit about that as a, as a professional runner and and a, and a seasoned, experienced runner. Talk about that experience and and how it impacted you, or or how it might have, have changed your your training or or how going forward going forward from that. You know, I'm chuckling, and the reason I'm chuckling is because it just it was an example of the curveballs that life throws you. And I had known for a long, long time that 2018 was going to be the 50th anniversary of my win at Boston. And it was a big deal to me. And again, I imagined a day of sunshine and waving to people and people waving to me. And I was going to finish two hours behind the winners. But so what? I was still going to accomplish something on that day. And then the weather was horrendous beyond any imagining. And if you weren't there, you can't quite imagine how bad it was. Uh, I had five or six people who were going to run with me that day. Thank goodness. I gathered them at the starting line. I said, okay, huddle up. This is not a race anymore. This is, I had had a goal time, nothing special, but I had a goal time beforehand. I said, goal time's out. 
not it's not about time it's about hanging together supporting each other and getting all six of us through this horrendous thing and it was tough and my brother who was one of our team got very hypothermic in the middle of the race and was just about to drop out when one of the other team members saw a discarded jacket i guess it was a plastic bag jacket at the side of the road went over grabbed that wrapped it around my brother and it did just enough to bring him back to, to life so that he could uh carry on and we had six or seven in our team and we did honestly hang together the whole way support each other encourage each other tell each other it didn't matter what that mile time was forget the splits just keep going keep going keep going and all of us finished and all of us finished together and all of us finished together in a time that didn't make any difference but as a as a group and it was it was a group that was important i'm pretty sure none of us uh, including myself could have made it alone that day it was the kind of day where you really needed some some help if you were going to be out there for five hours and we were out there very close to five hours I, I, lo- I love brutal. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I love that a runner of your caliber has a moment like that and can, can talk about it with such clarity. So that's clearly a, a race that stands out in your mind. I think that's an important thing for our listeners to hear with our audience being mostly back of the pack mm-hmm. runners and having those, some very tough races. A lot of the time it's, oh, yeah. it's great to, to know that even, even the elites, the elite of the elites can, can have those kind of races too. Yeah. We, well, like at Donna, at, at the Donna marathon weekend, we just had rain. Part of our team did the full marathon and they that, had 30 mile an hour sustained <sighs> winds, gusts over 40 yeah. and 50 degrees and raining the entire time or so, almost 50 degrees. Yeah. And we thought, oh, and we, and we were, we're just, it's interesting what you said about, we huddled together and we're just going to get to the finish line and we're going to work together to do it because that is what we did. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what we did. And we picked up people along the way in the first couple of miles that actually stayed with us to the end of the half marathon. Now we haven't done a full marathon yet. I've I've run. I don't know if the the Donna still runs on the beach at Jacksonville Beach. I've run quite a bit on the beach at, at Jacksonville, and oh seven, eight, ten, time goes by quickly. Years ago, when I was in Jacksonville Beach for a month or so, I trained on several long runs with the the crew that was. Uh, doing long runs to get ready for for the Donna. Um, I should go down there and do the full thing some year. Oh, we would love But not that. with wind and rain. <laughs> yeah. You, you have inspired us with your running, you and your stories. You have also written articles and books. And your your book, Runspirations, which is on the set back here behind me now, <laughs> it is one that I come to again and again for just the quotes that are in there, the advice that's in there, as the title says, amazing stories, timeless wisdom, and motivational quotes. Well, Amber, you spent the better part of the last hour talking about a lot of history with us and we we love that. But what I'd like to let our listeners in on is what's next for Amber Burfoot? What are you going to be doing and where are people going to be able to find out more about what you're doing? 
I'm going to run Boston in April. I'm coming in very undertrained. It seems strange to run it again so soon after last October. But uh, I've almost gotten to the point where I'm like, geez, who knows how many more years I can run Boston. I may as well do it as long as I'm able to. And somehow I'll eat the uh, crow of running a really slow time. But that's okay. And run some local races this summer. I don't race a lot. And of course, the big race on my annual calendar is my Thanksgiving Day race, which I've yes. run, what, 58 years in a row, I think mm, it is. Wow. And that's a record that I'd like to keep going for a, a few more years. And uh, mainly, I like my daily, I don't run every day, I run every other day now, but I like my every other day running habit. I like running and walking with friends. I like going Mm. to the gym with some friends. I very, very much enjoy training partners and the social aspects of of running, which there haven't been enough of in the last two years. So I hope things continue in a good direction going forward. Mm. And writing at this point, I'm spending most of my effort on a uh, weekly news newsletter called run long run healthy that podium runner puts out and that might move to another platform but that allows me to dig into the latest scientific research and the latest and best articles which are appearing around the the world on the internet and Mm. put a dozen or so of those in front of readers every month and I'm, i'm pretty much happy doing what i've been doing for a long time People say, aren't you bored or shouldn't you start playing piano or something? And I'm like, yeah, I like doing what I'm doing. I think I'll just keep it up. I think you should. Absolutely. Yes. And we're going to I have agree. links to everything yes. in the show notes and yeah. on our website for people to be able to find you. more Ambie Burfoot. We want to thank you for spending so much time with us tonight and being so generous with your time and your stories and yeah, your your words of inspiration. This has been an absolute honor for us to be able to sit down and talk with you tonight. Thank you for the invite and thank you for what you're doing to encourage others to get healthy and enjoy running. And a little eating and drinking, apparently. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I, love it, I love it. I love it. <laughs> only a little. Only a little. The history nerd inside of me <laughs> is so grateful that this podcast has given us a chance to talk to somebody like Ambie. Yes. It was wonderful to speak with him. So inspirational to hear all of his wisdom. And there's more. And patrons of our show, patrons in the Runcation Nation can go to patreon.com slash runny drink podcast and hear more. Yes. Or if you are part of the patron program in the Podbean application, you will have access to it as well. That's going to do it for this week's show, but Runcation Nation, don't forget about the Mother's Day 5K and your way on Mother's Day weekend. Both virtual and in-person events are available and we have a special discount code for you. You can learn more about the race weekend by going to runeatdrink.net slash Donna. You can be a part of it virtually or in person in Jacksonville with us on Mother's Day weekend. And if you're going to, message us and let us know. We'd love to meet up.
Oh, yes. And there's a discount code exclusively for you. Use run, eat, drink, all one word, run, eat, drink for 5% off an entry, either physical or virtual option. That wraps up another great episode. And we will talk to you more running, more eating, more drinking next week. Thank you so much for listening. For joining us on your long run, your commute to work, around the house, wherever you are. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. Stay safe and well, and we will accomplish, explore, and indulge with you really soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having another great year thanks to your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And on Twitter, we're Run, Eat, Drink pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or send us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Find out how you can support the show at patreon.com slash runeatdrinkpodcast. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.